Welcome to Cities Down South, a show about how we live and get around our cities here in the American South. Today we're talking with Megan Honeycutt, the GIS manager at the Coastal Regional Commission of Georgia. Megan runs the GIS, or Geographic Information Systems, department here at the Coastal Regional Commission, which is an intergovernmental agency that supports all of our local governments across the coast of Georgia. Megan is here to tell us what GIS even is and why it's both really cool and really important for our cities and counties uh, to get a good handle on. So Megan, do you want to just give us a little introduction of who you are and how you got here? All right, well, I am Megan Honeycutt. I am the GIS manager here at the Coastal Regional Commission. I've been working in GIS for about six years now. Started off in a regional environment as an intern for the Southern Georgia Regional Commission. And then I went on an adventure and worked as a GIS analyst for a local county in Southern Utah. Then came back to Georgia and found myself back in regional government. And now I'm managing statewide projects, regional projects, data management, staff management. So kind of the facilitator of all moving parts to the department here. So as GIS manager, what is that exactly? What does that mean? What is, say I'm somebody who doesn't know anything about like what even is GIS? Well, yeah, I think we need to back up and talk about what what GIS is. GIS stands for Geographic Information Systems. It is essentially a software-based tool that is used to visualize and maintain data in a spatial framework. So you import Excel spreadsheets, everything has a location. Everything has a location. I can't stress that enough to people who don't know about GIS is you can you can map everyone who has Nalgene water bottles with stickers on it. I mean, everything has a location. So we take data in all sorts of formats and transcribe it or transform it into a format that we can add a geo-reference location to it and then analyze and either shoot it out in a map or a web map, web-based environment. And then hopefully people take the map and the data and use it to make decisions. Yeah. So it's like, it's like taking, you know, it's, it's taking data and melding data and space together, kind of. Yes. Right. So. Uh, space, time, cubes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, everything, even from like Google Maps to even taking a look at some new maps that will show, say, you know, the number of people per county or something, or the number of people per city, or how many people, or, or, or one thing is maybe traffic, right? How many people are driving on one road versus another, and that'll help you make decisions. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a, one way you can use it. So how did you get into this field? What, what got you interested in, in maps and, and GIS? Well, I have always been interested in maps. When I was really young, probably four or five, I got a, it's a big, big world atlas from my parents for Christmas. And it was probably like three feet tall and it had all of the countries and little, the symbols on the countries were prominent to the history there. So I would study that. The United States, especially like 
Florida, they had little alligators in South Florida and oil rigs in Texas. So I became very spatially aware at a young age. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've always just been drawn to geography. And when I was in college, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. I'm a golfer and I thought, hey, I want to do landscape architecture. And somehow I wound up taking a intro to landforms class and was like, this is really cool and we get to go on field trips. I'm going to check this out. And turns out that's kind of how I fell into it. And then I got an internship out of college working for regional commission, but more so for uh, the city of Valdosta and Lowndes County. So we really got to learn how the jurisdictions work together. I did a lot of work with the fire departments and the police departments. We would do crime mapping every week. They'd want to know where all the part one crimes were in the county, get statistics on that. So that was really interesting. So we can use GIS for a lot of different things. You can use it for data management. You can use it for something as simple as just putting up a map that citizens can use, say, you know, creating a, a zoning map or creating a map of neighborhoods or creating a map of where all the schools are, um, where the school districts are. That's kind of one way you can use GIS. Tell me about maybe some ways that people may not may not realize are, are informed by GIS or other ways that you could use it that people may not, you know, have, a, mm-hmm. have an immediate understanding of. Um, well, I think that everyone is using it on a daily basis, whether they realize it or not. I mean, our day-to-day applications, social applications, weather applications, that's, there's all, that's all a form of GIS. Even down to the social media app Snapchat, they've got the, the Snap Map on there. And if you open up the map, it shows the heat map, essentially, of where all the photos are being taken. So you're building upon the data and the layers in a way that you don't even realize you're using it. Well, some of the things that we're focusing on is is kind of how planning and, and GIS comes into play when we're talking about some of the threats to, to coastal Georgia in particular and to the coast in particular. So things like storm surge, hurricanes, even something like rising sea levels and flooding, anything like that. So those are all big threats that we're facing here in Georgia and that we're facing across the country, especially over the next decade or two, um, as we expect some of these weather events to get worse. And GIS is a big part of that because if we don't have a good handle on what things look like on the ground and how how that interacts with weather and where people live, we're, we're going to be unprepared. So tell me a little bit um, about how some of the GIS work that you've done in particular and that you know of kind of interacts with that space with resilience and, and coastal protection. Well, we are actually working on a project to present a report that the Polis Institute and the DNR put together on coastal resiliency using HAZUS modeling. Polis Institute ran over 100 scenarios for all of the category hurricanes and rivering and coastal flooding in our region in particular, and it predicts where we could be potentially with and without green infrastructure. I think green infrastructure is a planning principle that definitely be heavily weighted in the planning process. It really just shows the fiscal impact, the economic impact of what is going to happen with and without green infrastructure if a category four hurricane comes. So what you're saying is like you've created this platform 
you know, with partnerships where you'll take a scenario, you'll say, so you'll take a scenario, you'll say, say a, a hurricane, a category four hurricane hits Tybee Island, this island near Savannah, beach community island near Savannah, and say a category four hurricane hits Savannah, what is going to be the flooding impact without any, without any new kind of green infrastructure to, to absorb that impact? And then you do, you run it again and see what the impact would be with that infrastructure. And you can and you can see on your map, you're saying what the difference is. You can see in this scenario, the water gets all the way up to where the tourists are, where the shops are, where everything is. And maybe in this other scenario, it's still kind of bad, but it's not catastrophic. Right, right. So we've taken this report and put it in a story map platform to tell the story, essentially, to take the numbers and transformed it into a, hopefully a platform in a way that people understand and can take out of the report and the story just mindfulness that, hey, let's let's think about investing in some rain barrels or when I redo my driveway, let's put in brick pavers because just having that knowledge and awareness is going to take everyone. Right. So. Yeah. And people won't know what to do if they don't know, you know, how it's going to have an an actual impact in the future. Right. And being able to look at a visual representation of that does a lot, I think, rather than, you know, somebody reading an Excel sheet that says, you know, X and X feet in 10 years, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely get that. Now, what about, so that's something that's really important with being able to see sea level rise and flooding, because that's really visual, right? You can tell, here's the water line, here's my house, and I can see kind of what's going on. One of the things that I know you guys have been working on has been 911, right? And 911 mapping and things like that, which is which is really curious to me, because I think a lot of people don't really understand how that works. But it's really dependent on on GIS and having a functioning 911 system is really important for resiliency in the same way. So that if there's an evacuation, if there's a, a major infrastructure failure, say a bridge collapses or something, we need to know right where things are and where people right. are and where they're calling from. And, and that's something that you guys have been have been working on, right? Yeah, so we are implementing a regional addressing system, so a centralized repository of addresses for the 911 centers in our region. If you look at the old 911 systems, and they're they're pretty archaic. This next-gen 911 technology allows faster response times for just more information that is driven to tell the system where and how quickly they need to respond. So asking the right questions when developing the schemas for the data. So you want you want to be as detailed as possible. And the more comprehensive the data set is, you'll be able to mesh in well with all the 911 systems. If the address is off, then there's a good chance that someone could be overlooked and hurt. So having the data prepped and ready is one of the things that we're doing right now to push into the 911 system. And that's really important for like emergency response because a lot of times they are crossing jurisdictions. Sometimes the fire department may have to help respond to some kind of incident that is, you know, outside their normal range. I know that happened just a, a month or two ago in Brunswick with this warehouse fire where it actually brought a ton of resources from outside the normal area to come help with that. So that was a warehouse and everybody kind of knew where it was. But if it was like some random 
you know, house in the middle of nowhere, but that was suddenly up in flames and there were people in there and then it was catching other houses on fire or something. And they would need to know, everybody would need to know where to go and how to get there. And yeah. That's where this would be, be very helpful, I can imagine. Well, going back to um, the Mar and having one source of addresses for the region. So Enterprise GIS involves having one master data set. And say I have, there's a county and they're all sharing that same data. So if they're, if they're editing in, in one jurisdiction, the best case scenario is that they're editing to one data set that someone in the next town is going to see as well. So there is transparency there because once you, you've got your stakeholders and you know, that's their data. But if you think about ways to add value to the data, it's going to benefit the organization or the county or the city as a whole because there's going to be some things that are going to be, you know, I'll give an example. So for addresses, going back to addresses, you've got public works department and they get calls for uh, beehives and beehives, you know, they are, are need to be protected, but we're down here in the South. There's a lot of mosquitoes. So you've got a lot of these communities have mosquito control. So public works, they need to go and add in addresses and flag them for do not spray. There are beehives here. That's a cross functionality that benefits everyone who's using addresses, but specifically for, for public works. And that's a pretty simple example of the enterprise idea, being able to be transparent and have one data set and taking that and allowing it to have availability within the organization, but also thinking about stuff the public might want to see as well. You know, you've got foundational data sets and it also provides economic value if you have people outside of the county or vendors or, you know, they're looking to see if they want to bring their business there. Are they interested? What's they're going to be variables that they're going to want to analyze before they decide, hey, I'm going to purchase a piece of property and bring my business here. So I'm a big advocate for open source data. It's great to share. And to me, there's really no downfall. Yeah, no, that seems really important. You know, we're increasingly needing to be cooperative, especially in, in areas like, like coastal regions where, where there's a lot of things uh, happening, a confluence of natural issues and business issues and tourism issues and residential issues that we need to all be kind of working together and I think in a way that is a little bit new to some people. I think that's a great way to, to go about it. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much to Megan for talking to us about her expertise. GIS is one of those topics that is really critically important and that powers a whole lot of our lives, but kind of lives in the background for most of us. So it's really neat to have Megan here to shed a little light on it. Cities Down South is a production of the Coastal Regional Commission of Georgia with support from the Georgia Department of Transportation. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you again next time.